Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the uh, podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's kind of like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and joining us today, we finally have the Crooked Russian Cam hat trick. It's Mac! It's Mac! She, her! <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing alright. If you hear a lot of noise in the background, that's my cat. The cat that I heard was trying to turn the AC on. <laughs> yes, he sits He sits his butt on the air conditioner and it turns on. <laughs> ah. And uh, now he's decided he's going to try to pull down the curtains from the uh, window. Love it. Okay, I was just, just redecorating. It's fine. <laughs> so, so, what do you bring to us today? <laughs> yes. So, uh, today I am bringing a, a not very old movie, but one that I still think needs to be, uh, that, that, that should be rebooted and uh, remade with my idea in mind. Uh, which anybody who listens to us on Crooked uh, Rams, I Will Fight You probably knows, is The Raven from 2012. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I, I I somehow missed the fact that this was like a, a, a real, like a movie movie when you were Whoa. talking about that. Because the fact that it's John Cusack in it completely went over my head. I thought this was some weird direct-to-DVD situation. Oh, if only. <laughs> they released this in theaters. It bombed. <laughs> but it's near and dear to my heart. Ooh, yeah, that box office return is not good. <laughs> no, it is not. So, for those who don't know what the Raven is, uh, imagine a uh, quote-unquote horror thriller uh, where there is a murderer going around uh, mimicking various deaths or various story beats from uh, Edgar Allan Poe stories. Uh, and the killer is going around mimicking these, uh, ends up kidnapping Edgar Allan Poe's uh, supposed girlfriend, who is not his cousin like real life. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> and uh, buries her alive. And then Poe's trying to figure out what stories they're going to imitate with the help of a sheriff. Uh, and they are tracking down the killer. And eventually Poe realizes the killer is some no-name guy who was introduced in the first three minutes. Don't worry about it. And... Uh, <laughs> And he realizes this. Uh, they have a face-off where Poe drinks poison. And then we fade to the mysterious inn that Poe actually had, where he was found uh, on a bench, basically. And then his last words were crying out, Reynolds, Reynolds! And that was, in this movie, it was the killer's last name. Uh, that is not what we will be doing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> also, is there a raccoon? There is a raccoon, yes. The raccoon is the best character in the film. <laughs> Everybody else in the film is very bad. Uh, there are a bunch of people who you will know from other movies or other TV shows, but you will never know the name of other than John Cusack. Like uh, the the investigator detective who helps Poe out is uh, the guy who plays the Beast in the terrible live action version of Beauty and the Beast. And then there's like, yeah, there's a bunch of different people who you will just vaguely recognize, but not know from where. And then there's a cute raccoon. Nice. All right. So, so where are we starting from when we're rebooting it? I think we need to start with our demographic here. Okay. Because 2012's The Raven's big failure is it has no idea who it wants to aim for. Yeah. It clearly it, it clearly thinks it's like a horror film, and it's like, well, we'll get some of those literary nerds out there. Uh, looking at myself. Uh, but the fact is, it gets, like, the books wrong, and it gets things just enough wrong with real life that it's going to frustrate any literary person out there. 
And then the problem with everything else is it also sticks way too much to some of like Poe's lesser known works. Uh, so anybody who isn't a book nerd is just going to be instantly like, screw this. No, thanks. Yeah. And it doesn't lean too hard into either element. So it's just kind of a, uh, a middle ground wash for anybody who does watch it. Mm-hmm. And so I think we just need to lean into the book nerd element here. Yes. Okay. It's, it's, it's already said that if you watch The Raven, it is not the movie that I will describe it as. <laughs> um, because in my opinion, rather than some no-name guy at the end, the, uh, the villain should be revealed to be uh, Moby Dick's author. Uh, Henry Melville. Henry, Henry Melville. <laughs> and uh, so, the, okay, so in the actual film, br- brief, brief callback to 2012. In the actual film, there's this point where Poe is riding on a horse, chasing after the guy who is dressed like Liam Neeson's dark man, uh, so completely <laughs> wrapped up in rags. And uh, and Poe cries out, Tell me who you are! And I believe that at that point, he should turn around and shout, I would prefer not to! Quoting Melville's uh, Bartleby the Scrivener. Uh, Herman he- Melville, sorry. <laughs> Herman Melville, yes, thank you. And then Poe's like, I demand you tell me who you are! And I really want him to turn around and shout, Call me Ishmael, as he rips off his, uh, his, his things. So in my reboot, we would just be yoinking every 19th century author we can think of. Like, we bring <laughs> Hel- Mel- we'll bring Melvin, Poe's here, of course, Austin's here, we got some Pride or Prejudice, we got Twain, why not bring in Twain, right? Uh, Tolstoy, uh, who else do we have? We have, uh, we have, Oh, Henry, so we can have some sort of ambiguous ending that's actually kind of humorous in the end. Uh, and it just all ties in together. So I think we need to just completely restart with the plot, and we just need to go totally ham on the literary elements here. Yes. Okay. <laughs> my, my mind is a flutter with all the people we could just drag in here. Lewis Carroll, Shelley, Mary, Marie Shelley, and, and all of them. Tanner's Jam. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. the Villa Diodati crowd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hans Christian Andersen. Uh, and okay, the movie does focus on why was Poe's last couple days alive so mysterious. So I guess we need to tie that into it. I, I don't know if we'd want to bring forth the horror elements. What do you guys think? I do feel like if it focuses on Poe, maybe we need to. Well, it's definitely got to be gothic. Like, there can definitely be a horror vibe, but I feel yeah. like this movie isn't going to be that scary. Yeah, it never will be. Mm-hmm. If we bring, if we focus on all the various authors, and obviously a lot of these people have, like, mystery and horror elements to them, see Marie Shelley being, you know, Frankenstein. We could make it into kind of just, like, a moody Victorian vibe. Sort yeah. of like... yes. Go steampunk with it, even. Because why not? Get some of the faux Victorian aesthetic going on there with, like, uh, (laughs) airships. Just as long as the costuming is right. Yeah, the costuming does have to be right. None of them can be wearing that thing, which they always put steampunk thing, where it's just, like, basically a corset, but it's outside and it's just in the waist. Yeah, and it doesn't fit properly. (laughs) No, never. It never fits properly. No. This is like a weird variation on the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Ooh, it kind of is. <laughs> but like, good. It kind of is like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, but just the authors instead of the characters? Yeah. Ooh. 
does and also I guess we would have to have I guess it would have to be some sort of battle royale between the authors, maybe. <laughs> because in, in if my in my my original version, the better Raven is Herman Melville trying to kill Poe and succeeding. Then I guess in my revamped version, someone should be trying to kill Poe and succeeding. And then it all ties back into what would Reynolds mean? Because that was the original mystery. Are there any authors named Reynolds? Are there any Night History author named Reynolds? Night History author Reynolds. Hang on. Hang on. Yes. <laughs> Jeremiah N. Reynolds, also known as J.N. Reynolds, was an American uh, editor, lecturer, and explorer. Um, his lectures on the possibility of a hollow earth appear to have influenced Edgar Allan Poe's The Narrative Ooh! of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. And his 1839 account of the whale Mocha Dick Ooh! influenced Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Oh! Oh. So, maybe this guy, maybe Jeremiah N. Reynolds, Jan Reynolds, gets upset since he's, like, inspired all these authors. Doesn't get enough credit. This turns into a, like, and then there were none situation. Yes! He's trying to pit them against each other, and then the last act, Melville and Poe have to team up against Reynolds. And and Melville will succeed, of course, and carry on. But not Poe. And exactly. thus the tragic ending. Yes, that's beautiful. Yes. I love it. Good Googling there, Tanner. <laughs> I just looked up the Reynolds surname and started searching for author. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we want to keep this around the Baltimore area? And then have Poe and Herman Melville and... Let's try to stick yeah. to contemporaries. So we gotta have like Jane Austen there, even though she's technically in England, but she can be visiting, you know, for some reason. Well, wasn't she dead by? Well, yeah, but we're that's talking just about what they any- want you to think. Yeah, anybody in the 19th century, she just wants you. She just wants you to think that she's dead. She can be. She can be <laughs> old lady Jane Austen. She faked her Kicking death and moved ass. to America. Yes. yes. I mean, she was only 41 when she died. So yeah, faked her death, moved to America to get away from all the fans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Charles Dickens can be there being being sad about everything. <laughs> I still think Mark Twain should be there because he's definitely the guy like smoking like the cigar, being like making he he's definitely the comedian of the group. Always making like dry commentary in the background. Mark Twain would be fifteen when Edgar <laughs> Allan Poe died. So That's maybe fine. he's the shitty teenager. Oh shit, yes. he's the shitty teenager, yes. Yeah. And uh <laughs> Oh, Oscar Wilde could be there. Uh, he, now, he wouldn't even be born yet, I don't think. But that's okay. No reason he can't be there. <laughs> We're here to appeal to the Engl- uh, to the literary mindset, not necessarily totally follow it step by step. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's just like an all-white cast so far. We need like uh, we need some people of color in here. Frederick Douglass. Oh, what about yep. the... Uh, when was the guy who wrote Man in the Iron Mask alive? Oh, uh, that would be Alexandre Dumas Père. Oh, 19th century. He works. Welcome to the party, buddy. Welcome to the party, Daddy Dumas. <laughs> he is just screwing everything. Yeah. <laughs> he is He is played by Idris Elba. He is magnificent. We love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometime in the future, I'm going to propose a war film about his father, Thomas <laughs> Alexandre Dumas. Yes. Would have been the greatest French general out there if it weren't for Napoleon. 
even though he'd be long dead by this point, we need some Lord Byron there. Uh, mm-hmm. He goes on these long-winded soliloquies. What would the what would the plot, I guess, would be that someone is pitting all these guys together. And they're trying to turn them against each other. Some of them are cracking and, and uh, you know, there's there's drama there all built up within that. Uh, they should obviously still imitate each other's stories. I I I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's done so bad in the original. But it's so good. It's so dumb. Yeah. Yeah, so in the original movie they imitated uh the murders in the Rue Morgue, yes. the Pit and the Pendulum, yep. the Mask of the Red Death, cask the cask of <laughs> the Red Death Amonti- so du- uh, Amontillado, yeah. Yeah, Amontillado. Um and the Telltale Heart. Yes. And also, uh, they actually imitated another small story of his, uh, there's a small story about a lady who who gets a plague and dies, and they kind of imitate that and reference that in that she's abducted from her play and she dies. But th- they try very hard to go, look, we are doing more than just the main ones everybody knows. Here's a small side one, and they kind of fail. I think it would be hilarious if we imitate various small ones, and also, of course, imitate various things from the other authors that we have around what if the lady who dies of plague uh what if that's emily bronte Ooh. and yes. and then when she's saying she would have no poisoning doctor it's because she believes that the physician is dosing her because the physician is jeremiah reynolds yes and she's like the first death that starts this off mm-hmm. yes she can be like the the prologue uh, the prologue death where we where we gather all the authors around and they discuss it. Yeah. And then I mean it, it just feels right if uh, Marie Shelley has some sort of haunting haunting Frankenstein-esque death. Oh that'd be na- gnarly. That'd be yeah. like Or wait no because didn't didn't, would... uh, didn't Victor's cousin wife Die in Frankenstein at the hands of the monster. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, and she wasn't his cousin. She was his uh, stepsister. Yeah. Still weirdly incestuous, but, you know. Yeah. <sighs> so she could die at the hands, and, the, and they're like, oh, she died at the hands of some monster. And then there's dun-dun-dun. We should have some poets in there just so we can have William Blake, and he can be eaten by a tiger, and the tiger can be out of its cage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, Poe gets, like, a frantic call from someone else, like, yes, what is it? The tiger! The tiger is out! Ah! <laughs> yes! <laughs> also, I just saw that Emily Bronte had a dog named Keeper who was by her side when she passed away, uh, which is A, Q, but also, if the dog joins in, that means that Keeper the dog and Carl the raccoon can have wacky animal antics. You're right! Yes! Yes! <laughs> And then that can be kind of like the breather as all this drama is going on to the humans. Because we want, we want, does the dog die.com to say no. No dogs yes. are dying here. Only authors. Exactly. <laughs> the only authors left alive. Hans Christian Andersen can meet his end at the end of some sort of fairy tale-esque thing. He definitely drowns. They stab him in the feet a bunch. Oh, they stab, yeah, in, the they stab him in the feet and then they toss him into the sea. Yes. yes. And he just melts. I don't know why he's going to see, but appropriate. Uh, or he gets eaten by, like, a human wolf. So that would, that would, that would, that would be too much for the props department. That would, that would cost a lot for, like, CG and stuff. Or he can freeze to death. Oh. 
Yeah, he thinks it's going to be safe outdoors, but it's a cold night. And, like, when they go and find him, his body is just, like, covered in ice. Oh, yeah. Oh, because they doused him in seawater, so he froze way quicker. Yes. Yes. Rudyard Kipling could get bitten by a poisonous snake. Yeah. Yeah. Washington Irving could, I guess, lose his head. (laughs) Go full uh, Sleepy Hollow there. Find him just sitting on a horse, headless. Yeah, because the other option is he falls asleep and just gets really old. Yeah. <laughs> Which, hard to pull off. Though, I, though, though as stated, I guess we all have had beast, beasts kill, uh, kill uh, Mary Shelley. So, you know, there's no reason we couldn't have a supernatural element here. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah and Reynolds did find the hollow earth and brought something back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Henry is the world's most ironic death. Yeah. Like, he needed a specific antidote to a poison that he accidentally ingested, and instead someone brings him something that rhymes with the antidote, sort of like Gift of the Magi or whatever. But Mm -hmm. deadly. Alexander Dumas-Père. He came up with so many great deaths for Count of Monte Cristo. He's got so many good deaths there. Literally any single one would be fun. Yeah. Dramatic sword fight at dawn. Oh, because again, with the scurrying around, he probably angered some southern yes. gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> the worst would be like, because he had like, uh, there were a few characters in his books that were just like shot from from afar by like an arrowed sniper or something. That would be so boring. Mm-hmm. So avoiding that one. Yeah. I, I, I prefer the, the lover fight at dawn. Yes. And that one would actually be really interesting because then the group is like, was was that our killer? Or was that just him being so handsome? <laughs> <laughs> Anton Chekhov we could have around and he could have like, we could have a gun in like the first act and he dies at the beginning of the third act with the gun. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Tolsoy dies by train. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, and just bringing back the whole Hollow Earth thing because of uh, J.N. Reynolds' connection to one John Cleve Sims, who kind of created the Hollow Earth theory. Um, yeah. We should bring in Jules Verne, because he did have Ooh. Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yes. And if we are doing steampunk, he's kind of like the grandfather of steampunk. He is the grandfather of steampunk. That's a good idea. Verne, of course, is just going to be drowned deep beneath the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> then... What would be the killer's motivation for organizing all of these deaths? Not we getting c- credit? Yeah, we could go with like not giving credit. Though, why would he kill all these other authors who didn't do it? He could, he would, of course, save Melville and, and Poe for last. Mm-hmm. He just, he hates the current state of literature. Yes. Because he didn't receive credit and he feels like he's better he, he hates the current state of of literature that's that's great and mm-hmm. so he's he's doing a great culling and ending with the ones that hurt him the most yeah yes. and then when at the end of this all that's will be left will be him and his works and so even after he passes all the other authors will be influenced by only his stuff yes and then the dramatic confrontation like, what clues do Poe and Melville uncover that lead them to Reynolds? Hmm, let's see. 
Born in Sandwich, Kent. He leaves a sandwich <laughs> calling card wherever he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Reynolds served as the editor of the Teetotaler, a weekly journal advocating teetotalism. Uh, so he doesn't like drinking. And Poe really likes drinking. I just, okay, so I just looked at the Wikipedia article, and this hasn't really got anything to do with the film that we're making, but uh, I gotta say, uh, Jeremiah Reynolds uh, sounds like kind of a badass. He did a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. And now he's evil. (laughs) Now he's evil. He didn't get enough credit, particularly for influencing Edgar Allan Poe and Herman Melville, which is why he leaves them for last, and maybe he uses some sort of whale-related... Um, wait, no. Melville hadn't written Moby Dick by the time Poe had died. Unless Melville was in the process of writing Moby Dick because that thing is a fucking tome. Oh, maybe that's it. So maybe he tries to... So Moby Dick isn't finished and then he tries to kill Melville with, like, I don't know, big whale bones or something. The whalebone corset. Mm -hmm. Ooh, ooh. So there's, like... He tries to do that, and we could have, like, the final confrontation in, like, uh, you know, like, the elephant graveyard in Lion King, but it's the whale graveyard. Where whales go to, to die. die. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just a massive whale rib-, rib cage where this final confrontation takes place. Yeah. Well, I was I was thinking, because if Melville picks up the whale stuff, it's like, this is a story I haven't even written yet. Yeah. There's only one man who knows I'm writing a book Ooh, about a whale. Yes. Well, also I was thinking um, scrimshaw was a fairly common art at the time and that uses whale bones to like carve stuff yeah. or like whale teeth. And like maybe at these different murders they're finding like scrimshaw art. Ooh, like, yeah. Yeah. So they're finding scrimshaw art, just like little bones. Oh, somebody is using, uh, uh, one of one of the ladies dies and they find some of the um, the perfume using, what's the word? Um... Ambergris. Yes, ambergris. So they find, like, perfume that's, like, heavy on the ambergris. Ambergris is whale puke. Yeah. <laughs> it smells great. <laughs> uh, update. Uh, I, I was clicking on Mocha Dick to read it, uh, which is the the what Jeremiah and Reynolds wrote that influenced Moby Dick and is about a whale who is off the coast of Mocha Island. <laughs> and all I saw was... kill. Uh, Cause of death killed by whalers, and for a moment I forgot I was on what page and thought it was Jeremiah and Reynolds who was killed by whalers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, this feeds into it. That's clearly Melville wins. So they, they they make that conclusion then that Jeremiah and Reynolds was the one behind it because of all the whale stuff, and they put that together. Yeah. At that point, Poe and Melville have to win, but it needs to be kind of a Pyrrhic victory because Poe needs to be uh, adulpated enough that he ends up just kind of sitting on a bench to be discovered, shouting Reynolds, and then dies like 24 hours later. So clearly yeah. in this battle, maybe he gets... So in the 2012 version, he does drink poison to free uh, oh, his lover or whatever. So it could be he just gets poisoned in this battle with Reynolds and Melville. And Melville can't do anything about it. It's it's an incurable poison, incurable poison. But that's not very Poe-esque, is it? Yeah. Uh, theories as to what caused Poe's death include suicide, murder, cholera, hypoglycemia, rabies, syphilis, influenza, or cooping. And the- <laughs> <laughs> cooping. Cooping. 
uh, cooping was a 19th century and 18th century practice where uh, to try and uh, fill the voting box, uh, the voting box with votes for the people you wanted to vote for. You would take a guy, get him very drunk, and then dress him in various costumes and bring him in and make him vote for your candidate over and over again. <laughs> uh, so you drag them back out, put like a put like a mustache on them, drag them back in, and be like, "This is a totally different guy. Don't worry about it." Uh, and make him vote for your your guy again, and get them very drunk. And Poe had a liver disease, and so it's believed that that might have been the issue. Or a really weird one. What if he's injected with orangutan blood? Ooh, <laughs> go morgue. Yeah. <laughs> Would they have known about blood compatibility at the time? Yeah, they wouldn't really have. But they would know probably that injecting, like, foreign blood is bad. Yeah. Yeah. They could have, like, um... He could just have, like, a syringe and he's trying to hit... Oh! Or maybe he's trying to get Melville now, so he's got, like, whale blood. Okay. But he accidentally gets Poe instead. And this causes great despair because it's not book-like. It doesn't tie in to what he wants. And that is the moment that Melville finishes him. Exactly. Yes. So that's the turn. The epilogue is like, I don't know, Melville finished, like, running yeah. the first publishing of Moby Dick and yeah. being very sad. And being very sad. And he, he lights a candle and has a picture of Poe for some reason on his desk. And as the as the movie fades into dark, into the credits... Uh, he starts sadly reciting uh, the bells by Poe or something. And it's very romantic. Ooh, we definitely need to be romantic. Mm-hmm. Alright, I think we've got a film now. Yeah, yeah. definitely got a film. Better than the 2012 version. Oh, definitely. Uh, in that case, I'm gonna go address the thumping underneath my floorboards, which I'm pretty sure is a Telltale Friendship promo. <laughs> When we started this journey, I was just a dropout from the College of Arcanists. Some girl who could turn into animals. A pickpocket looking for answers. I was a swan. But along the way, I found hope. Love. Family. I found out I can turn into a giant worm. Okay, look, Signana, I... What? He's right. But it's really not fitting in with the tone of what we're going for here. I mean, we're all talking about... Queer Dungeoneers, an actual play podcast about being who you are by being someone different. I can turn into a worm. Oh, forget it. Hey, Mac, thank you so much for being here today. (laughs) Absolutely. We managed to make a pretty solid thing in half an hour. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm pleased. It it helps that I think about this often. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I should watch The Raven again. I haven't seen it in, I think, like four months. Oh, dang. That's too long. Yeah, it's too long. I'm the only person who watches this movie on repeat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, before you go watch that, uh, can you let us know where you can be found on the internet? Yes, uh, you can find me at crookedrussiancam.horse or .gay. Uh, or on Twitter on CRC Podcast, where I and my co-host uh, host a variety of things, including Jim Jammer, which is a live-action uh, D&D uh, space jammer thing. Uh, two, uh, on I Will Fight You, where we discuss kind of whatever we want that's pulp culture related and give you cold hard facts. And uh, Date Me, Damn It, where we play dating sims, or I force Annie and Kit to play dating sims. Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at... Uh, 
Mac Kinsey, which is M-A-Q-U-E-K-E-N-Z-I-E. All right. And Lindsay, where can you be found? I can be found on Twitter at LindsayM476. It's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they're pronounced Nevermore. Yes. You can also email us at NotIfIReBootYouFirst at gmail.com, or you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite pre-Victorian gothic uh, murder scenes. <laughs> And that is also where you can send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or YouTube or even your Hollow Earth series. <laughs> Not if I reboot you first as a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. As always, our cover art is by Alex Fierce, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by Sean Clake, whose contact info was available upon request. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sotol, and Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. All right, next week is part three of Gestapalooza. Uh, we have another friend coming on, and his hint is that his source is he made it the fuck up. <laughs> awesome! He's also implied that he's hoping this is a subject we're actually both familiar with. So, okay. we'll see. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so thank you again, Mac, for joining us. Absolutely. And we will see y'all next week, but not if we boot you first. <laughs> Bye. Bye.